0: Amen. I don't know about you, but I feel refreshed and revived and encouraged, comforted and strengthened to sing about my Savior. Amen. The world is such a noisy place, and it seems like it's noisier than ever. Uh, every day, it seems like it's getting more noisy and more distracting and more discomforting and more extreme. And I want to say just briefly, if you heard the prayer request, you heard that this thing we call COVID has affected most of us in some way, all of us in some way. And human nature has a tendency to go to one extreme or the other. And I think scripture teaches us, and tell me if the church doesn't agree, I feel like you will. You read the 14th chapter of Romans, and we're taught to have compassion toward each other and love, and they had an issue at that time, which was what kind of meat was appropriate to eat, and there were people who were so uncomfortable with eating a certain kind of meat that that they couldn't, and there were other people who realized it doesn't matter what we eat, everything's blessed by the Lord, and there were extremes about it. I'll just say the elephant in the room, we have an extreme right now with this COVID issue, some people feel like they need to wear a mask and some people feel like they don't need to. And we can look in the congregation and see that. And I just feel the need to tell you however you feel about that. You read the 14th chapter of Romans, Paul talks about meat. I think that's what applies now. So if you're here and you feel the need to wear a mask and you feel the need to stay away from people, that doesn't bother me. I'm glad you're here. Amen. And if you're here and you don't feel like you need to, that's fine. We'd be loving to each other. Compassionate and kind, and not go to these crazy extremes? God doesn't do that. The enemy does. That's right. Amen. You know what God does? He gives us love and compassion and kindness toward each other. I just, I want to say that in the hopes, because I'll tell you, most, be careful how I say this. I've been to a lot of church services this year. Where the prevailing spirit is not freedom, unity, and love, it's subjugation and fear. I don't feel that here this morning, but I want to encourage you. Let go. We've trusted the Lord enough to get in our dangerous explosive boxes that we call automobiles and drive here. (laughs) We've trusted the Lord enough (laughs) Go, I mean, do you realize all this, all this thing called COVID has done is shown us how life really is. You can die any day. Whether we live or die, it's to the Lord. And we have to trust Him. That's what I told my sweet wife when, when, when all of this started. Because the last time she got really sick, she ended up paralyzed from the sickness. And I can understand that in the back of her mind, there's this, there's, there's a fear of like, I don't want to get sick again because that's what happened last time. I get that. <laughs> I get it. And some of you have some family members or some people that you're really worried about. I get it. But I'll tell you what I told her. We don't really have control over anything. Jesus said, which of you by taking thought can add even a cube, an inch, just a millimeter to his, to his stature? He said, which of you by taking thought or worrying? How many of you can add hair to your head by worrying? And I want to expand it. How many of you can really add days to your life by worrying? You know what? Actually, you do. You, you take days from your life. And so I hope you can feel my love in that. And that we can be encouraged to trust the Lord. Whichever sort of extreme you lean toward, it doesn't matter, because our lives are in the hand of our Savior. And I've never done anything to keep myself alive anyway. That's an illusion. I love y'all. I love you. I hope you can feel that. Because God put a love in my heart for you, and He loves each one of us more than I can even comprehend. We sang at our family Christmas this song, Jesus, There's Something About That Name. And I want you to sing a little bit of that with me, like a prayer, as we go into this message. And as we sing it, that our heart's desire would be for the Lord to remove any distractions, any worries, any cares of the world, any noise, any thoughts that shouldn't be there that we would just look to Him as we come together. He's the one we need. His presence is what we need. His truth is what we need. Sing a verse of that with me. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus There's just something about that name master save your Jesus. amen. Oh, I love him this morning. I don't know where I would be without him. What a lovely name, the name of Jesus. There's no other name in heaven or earth with the power that he has. Not just his person or his identity, but his name has power. Keep your eyes on Jesus, everything else will work out. Turn with me to Joshua. Old Testament, if you haven't been there in a little while. uh, It's just a few books into the Old Testament after Deuteronomy. Book of Joshua. As you're turning there, I'll set the stage of what we're about to read. God has called out. Appointed, preserved, and protected a chosen people. And the purpose of calling out and preserving and protecting and, and, and taking care of this chosen people, who they're called the Jews, it wasn't about them. It was about Jesus. That was the whole point. When God told Abraham, I'm going to bring descendants from you that are greater than the stars of the heaven or that are like the seashore without number... He wasn't talking primarily about national Israel, he was talking about the people who would come to know God through Jesus Christ. And it is impossible to count the number of people who have been drawn by the Holy Spirit and brought to a place of repentance and found salvation with God. There's no way to count that number. It's a multitudinous number that is beyond anything we can really comprehend. And we won't really know how many people are in that number until we get to to heaven and until time is no more. And So God made a promise to Abraham. And nevertheless, the people that came out of him, his seed that came out of him, went through a bunch of hard stuff. I mean, bad, hard things. We could talk about individual people like Joseph... Who were betrayed? He was betrayed by his brothers, he was thrown in prison unjustly, he suffered for years and years, he was forgotten about, he was abandoned. Even his one little prison buddy forgot about him. And then he ended up second in power, and you may think that's what made him feel better. That's not what made him feel better. What made him feel better was the reconciliation he had with his brothers later through God's mercy, power, and love. God used him. It wasn't about Joseph coming to a place of power. It was about God establishing a place where the lineage of Abraham could survive. Because the enemy has been trying to exterminate everything good since he has existed. He tried to ruin heaven. Then he literally ruined the only perfect place that has ever existed on earth. And ever since then, all he has done, our enemy, our adversary, the devil, doesn't have to sleep. As far as I'm aware, he doesn't have to eat. He doesn't have to rest. All he does is try to eliminate the good things of God. He tried to do that then. Joseph realized, and I want us to remember, no matter what happens in your life, no matter how hard things are, no matter what you suffer, no matter who betrays you, no matter what you go through, remember what he told his brothers? You meant this eat for evil, but God brought it out for good. Oh, you were bad to me. You hurt me. I, and listen, a family member betraying you is one of the most painful things that you'll ever experience. If you've never felt that, I hope you never have to. But for him to have the awareness, this wasn't just some kind of positive pump you up perspective. He had an awareness of the truth. And the truth was, it doesn't matter how bad you've been to me because God brought good things out of this. Brothers and sisters, as we begin this uh, attempted message, I want to remind you, it's not just about your perspective. The truth of reality is the same. What did Paul write in Romans chapter 8? All things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. I believe that with all of my heart. I've lived it. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've seen it in people I love. Now what I don't believe is how some religious people pervert it and say that nothing you don't want to happen to you is going to happen to you. And if something you don't want to happen to you happens to you, then you're not really where God wants you to be. That's not what His teaching. God's people have always gone through suffering ever since Adam and Eve sinned because the world is full of sin, brokenness, and suffering, and we're not exempt from experiencing things that other humans experience. The difference is we have a comfort. We have an ever-present help in time of trouble, and we have the Holy Spirit who literally prays for us with words that we don't even know how to pray. That's the difference. So after Joseph goes through all he does, God uses him to really save the world. I mean, when you think about it, he literally was used by God to save the world from starving. That region, at least. And then the descendants, the Israelites, become so great and numerous over a span of time that the Egyptians start to... Put them in subjugation so they won't have too much power or influence. They're afraid of them. Then they spend hundreds of years in captivity. Why? I ask it that way on purpose, because as soon as they came to their senses, as soon as they remembered the promise God made, as soon as they recognized that what they were living wasn't really the life God meant for them. And they cried out to him and begged him for deliverance. He raised up a man to deliver them. And I want to remind you the sort of man God raised up. He was a man who wasn't a great speaker. In fact, the Lord, when, he, when God called him, he said, I, I'm not even able to do this. I don't communicate well enough. And the Lord says, I'll be with your mouth. Or he said, I'm going to get your brother to help you too. And I want you to realize God chose a sinner. Do you know Moses, when he was overcome by the grief of what God's people were going through, he murdered a man? God still used him. I'm not saying that dismissively. I'm saying the Lord uses only sinners because that's all there is. Except for Jesus, every one of us who've ever lived are sinners. Sometimes we have this idea that I need to clean myself up enough or get good enough or let go of enough and then God will use me. No, no, all you need to do is come to Jesus. Then he'll use you. He'll clean you up. He'll make you better. He'll make you right. God used all kinds of messy people. So he raises up this man who any logical person living in that culture would have perceived as a madman. people would have thought he was crazy. Moses, I'm talking about. He came to the most powerful leader at the time with a staff, and I say kind of jokingly, a one-line sermon. Let my people go. But you know what he had? He didn't have fancy words. He didn't have a fancy degree. He didn't have a bunch of politics or policies. He didn't have a big army. What he had was the power of God. And to remind us, the Lord eventually delivered his people. They spent an entire generation in the wilderness where all the people that came out died. Because their hearts weren't right and God had to have a certain kind of people to serve him. It took time. And then Moses dies. The people still aren't in the promised land. And this is where we pick up reading. First verse, first chapter of Joshua. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, that, that's like his, his uh, servant pretty much, his apprentice, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I give to them, even to the children of Israel. Let me pause there and just say, aren't you thankful that God's promises don't die with one generation? His good thoughts, his desire of his heart continues perpetually. I love it. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. Now listen to this, verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. What a promise. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. God's telling him this is coming to these people now, the ones who are alive, not some future generation, I'm going to fulfill my promise in your lifetime. He tells him again, "...only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth... But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For when thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. The third time, have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host, and command the people, saying, Prepare your victuals or food, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half of the tribe of Manasseh spoke Joshua, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed all the mighty men of valor and help them until the Lord has given your brethren rest as he hath given you. And they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. What a beautiful passage. Do you get it? Does it feel that way to you? Let me ask you this, has God changed? We can answer that with scripture. I am the Lord, I change not. This is a promise that was made to a man of God that is by extension made to all of his children. Be strong and of good courage. Don't be dismayed. Don't be afraid for I am with you. The fearlessness of the people of God isn't based on uh, science or pseudoscience or findings or politics or anything of this world. Our fearlessness, our courageousness, our confidence in Him comes from Him. The things that God did through Moses and later through Joshua are impossible apart from Him. He parted the, the, the Red Sea, and people walked through on dry ground. He did it again with Joshua. A different river. They walked through on dry ground. Do you know Joshua, maybe if you've forgotten this, he was in the middle of a battle, and his, his heart was in the right place, and he was trying to do the work of the Lord, and he prayed for the sun to stand still, or the day to stop progressing, and it did. I don't even know how that works based on what little bit I understand about physics. Supposedly the sun is in the middle of everything, anchoring it all in place with gravity, and, and if the earth ever stops spinning, I I don't I don't understand how that worked. But I believe it. Scripture clearly teaches it. Has God changed? He gave his servants this kind of power? You say, well, that was the Old Testament. Really? Have seen the power Jesus had? You say, well, that was Jesus. That's not... Really? Jesus told his followers, greater works than these will you do. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying we should go out and pray for, for time to stop. I can't imagine there being any reason that we would sincerely pray for that from our heart and it would be answered. But we serve the same God who hasn't changed, who has the same power and the same desire to... Promote and perpetuate his promises throughout the world. He hasn't changed. So there's, there's, there's three specific things that I want us to focus on in this short passage. The first one I hope you get because it's said three different times in, in three different ways be strong and courageous. The most important thing that God could impress upon Joshua before he began to lead the people for the decades to come was that, be strong and courageous. You know what I believe one of the greatest needs we have in the world today is God to raise up people who will be strong and courageous. If you pray for me, don't pray for me to have a comfortable life, pray for God to give me boldness. I mean that. Because people are perishing for a lack of spiritual knowledge. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and of good courage. Only be strong and very courageous. What if that's all we really cared about? Let me pause here on this point before I talk about the other two. There was a man that we read about in the Old Testament who was probably the greatest king Israel ever had. God anointed him through the prophet. He appointed him to be the king of his people. And this young man... Was the least of his father's children. He was keeping the sheep, which wasn't an important job. And all of his older brothers went to Saul's army to fight off the greatest enemy of the time. And they were all encamped against Goliath and the Philistines. And I don't know exactly how long they were there, but they were there quite a while in battle array sort of facing off ready to go to war, and every day this evil adversary of the people of God who was over nine feet tall, who had a spearhead, not just the whole spear, but the spearhead weighed 15 pounds. The coat of armor that he wore was 125 pounds. We've never seen a man like him. Shaquille O'Neal would be small compared to him. And this man every day came out and made fun of God's people. He criticized them, he belittled them, he made them feel even weaker. And these people were just melting for fear. And every day they're just there afraid and they're looking at each other and seeing how afraid their brother is and how afraid he is and they're getting more afraid. Every day they're making each other more afraid of the enemy. God has a deliverer who he's preserving and protecting and keeping Listen, there was no Facebook, there was no news, there was no... David was out under the stars, in the fields, and beside the woods. He didn't even know the details of this mess. God's people are all there terrified, reinforcing each other's fear. We have this enemy we can't overcome. We have this adversary we can't do anything about. This is the greatest opposition we face. What are we going to do? David's dad sends him, again, a very menial task to take his brother some, some, some food. And he gets there, and there's something that riles up in his heart. They can't stand what is going on. God brought somebody from somewhere else to deliver the people who had reinforced the earthly fear so long that they couldn't see a way out. You know what he said? You remember? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Oh, David was strong and courageous. You know how? He had been in God's presence. He had been away from the noise of the world. He had been away from the extremes. The experts who said, here's how we can defeat uh, Goliath strategically. And the experts who said, there's no way we can do it. David had been with God. And not only that, but God had been giving him life experiences that demonstrated and proved God's power and His ability to deliver Him. When David came... As a young man, strong and courageous, saw the enemy of the Lord, he wasn't thinking about his own strength at all. He was thinking about the name of God. One of his older brothers heard him talking, and he chastised him. I'll put it in modern language. You can read it yourself in the book of Samuel. But this if it were modern language, it would sound like this. Who do you think you are, you little upstart? You just came down here to see what's going on. You need to shut your mouth and go over there where you belong. Your big brothers will take care of it if there's anything to be taken care of. That was the attitude that his elder brother talked to him with. You know what David said? Is there not a cause? Isn't the cause of God greater than this? I'm the little brother and it's not my job. Don't you care (laughs) what is going on? And he's going through the camp and he's telling everybody. He's so confused by their infectious fear that he's going to every person he can find and saying, isn't there a cause? Why are we standing here like this? Why aren't we destroying him? Why, why, why? This Goliath is blaspheming God. Why aren't we taking them out? person to person to person. He says it so long and so many times that the rumor gets to Saul about this crazy young shepherd. Saul brings him before him. They talk about it. Saul says, listen. And I'm going to again just paraphrase in modern language. Read the story for yourself again. But he he basically says, listen buddy, I, I appreciate your passion. But when you get older like me, you realize passion's not enough. I get get it. I I love your passion. But listen, you you can't defeat this guy. You're just a kid. You're a young man, and he has been a man of war since he was a young man. Listen, his, his coat of armor weighs almost as much as you do. You can't do it. Thanks, but we're just stuck here. And David says, your servant was keeping his father's sheep. There was a lion and there was a bear that came to destroy them. I killed the lion and the bear. And God will deliver me out of the hand of this uncircumcised Philistine, just like he did the lion and the bear. Sometimes exactly what we need, brothers and sisters, is to stop listening to everyone around us, get alone with God, find out what reality actually is, and then do it. You know who lived in a false reality? All the experts in Israel, all the military leaders in Israel, they had bought into a false reality that there was no way out. They bought into a false reality that they were stuck. They bought into a false reality that their adversary was bigger than they could overcome. And David came from somewhere else without the noise of their culture and said, you know, I've been with God and I've seen how he can deliver me. And he saved me from a lion and a bear. And not only that, he used me to preserve the sheep. I'll take care of this guy with his help. So still, Saul is trying to do what a good leader would do, and he says, "Okay, if you're going to go out there and kill yourself, at least you know I don't want it to be on me. Here, wear this armor at least." So David tries to put it on, and then he says, "This this hasn't been tried. I, I didn't use this armor. I didn't use these weapons when I killed the lion or the bear. I, I I'm not used to it." So he goes out with whatever his clothing was as a shepherd. He has his little pouch with his smooth stones. He has his sling. He goes and kills Goliath. My favorite part of the story, they kind of gloss over it in Sunday school. Stone hits Goliath in the head. He falls down. David goes and grabs Goliath's sword because he didn't have one and chops his head off. Be strong and courageous. Only be strong and courageous. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. As I was with Joshua, so will I be with you. As I was with David, so will I be with you. As I was with Paul and Peter and Matthew, so will I be with you. As I was with your grandparents who brought us this truth, so will I be with you. The world is different. It's uh, just like winding down all the time. God hasn't changed. I'll be with you. I pray for God to raise up some more Davids, some more Joshuas. People who will stop listening to the noise of the culture and instead get alone with the Spirit of God and figure out what He wants. Be strong and courageous. The next point that we see in this passage in Joshua, 7th verse and 8th verse, and I want us to really understand this. He says, only be strong and courageous that you may observe to do according to the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left. That you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. The modern language again. God is basically telling Joshua, I want you to know, to learn, to rehearse, to meditate on the law that Moses gave the people, because I want the best for you. You you know how I know many of us, myself included, don't really get it? And the it I'm talking about is... the the true spiritual freedom that God wants us to have? Because we think of Deuteronomy as something to fall asleep to because it's boring. If we're on it. I mean, really. When's the last time you read Deuteronomy for fun? And yet, God is telling Joshua, the best thing you can do for your life and your people is to know this law inside and out. I, I want you to see... In, uh, in Deuteronomy, flip a few pages back in your Bibles if you want to mark it. Deuteronomy 17. Now let me expand on what he, he's telling Joshua. He's telling, in Deuteronomy, Moses is telling the people through God, God is using him to tell the people uh, when they do appoint a king later, what the king needs to be like. And in the 18th verse of Deuteronomy 17... It shall be when he sits upon the throne of his kingdom, this is the king, that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests and the Levites, and it shall be with him and he shall read therein all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord God and to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them, that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. Isn't that beautiful? I, I want to make sure we, we hear what is being taught here. God is telling Moses to tell the people, whenever you do get a king, one of the most important things he could ever do is to get a copy of the law, from the the priest and make his own, write it down himself. You know what? One of the things I want to do this coming year that I've never done before, I want to do that. I want to pull out Deuteronomy and write it down verse by verse. Because you know what he tells him? Through doing this, you'll learn to fear the Lord your God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord drives away the temporal fear of man, doesn't it? The fear of the Lord is reality. Fear not the ones who are able to destroy the body. I'll tell you who you should fear fear him who can destroy body and soul. That's who you should fear. And when you fear the Lord, it brings life, it actually brings peace and freedom. Every other kind of fear brings bondage. But the fear of the Lord actually helps us. It actually makes our life better. And that's what the second point is. Observe and keep the law of God. You know what would help our our world, brothers and sisters? And I say this with all love. Spend more time in the Word of God... And less time on social media and other noisy sources. I'm talking to myself too. I'm not exempt from that. Or maybe maybe you say, "Well, I don't use social media, but I go on my forums. Whatever it is. That's all great and well and get your news and what That's fine. But wherever we put our attention and our minds, we need to have more attention in God's word. That's what's going to help. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to the tearing down of strongholds. I've never seen such a time in my life, and probably in history, that there's such evident spiritual warfare. The way we can do something about it is through immersing ourselves in God's teaching and His promises and trying to have His presence. Not through trying to get more you know, information from either side. That's okay, but that's not going to change anything. Observe and keep the law of God. It was so important to the well-being and health of the nation that God commanded that the king would write his own personal copy of the law, spend every day thinking and reading about it for as long as he lived. I don't know about you, but I'll be honest, I've never done that in my life. I've never read Deuteronomy every day. Sounds like it would be a good idea to the third point, and I won't be much longer. You see this in verse 13. Remember. Remember. We have a lineage, a history of countless people that God has sustained and preserved and helped and guided and kept alive and strengthened. Remember. Remember those people, and not only the people, but remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded, saying, the Lord your God has given you rest and has given you this land. Do you know, brothers and sisters, our God offers us spiritual rest in this life? Do you know that? Most of us don't live like it most of the time. But he has given us the opportunity to have spiritual rest even in this broken, fallen, sinful, noisy world. But the only way that is possible is through keeping him as the foundation and the focus. That's why Joshua is told by the Lord and then he tells the people, remember the word of the Lord. Remember what Peter wrote? He said, I think it meet or appropriate, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. You know what I think we need in this strange world we live in right now, in this noisy 2020? I think we need more men of God who have a heart to stir up the people by putting them in remembrance of who God is. God calls men to be warriors. I'm not talking about literally killing people, but I'm talking about being warriors for Him. We, we, I don't have time to get into to this, but I need to say it. The primary job of a preacher shouldn't be to help people get along. His primary job is to preach the truth. He should try to draw close to the Lord and pour out God's revelation before the people. He's not supposed to be some kind of mediator all the time. His job is to proclaim the truth. Jesus gave us that example... And the greatest purpose of the church is to proclaim the truth. Of course we should do that in love. But our primary aim isn't to make people feel comfortable. It's to let them know what the truth is. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. I've tried to bring us a little bit of truth this morning and remind us and stir us up by putting us in remembrance of what God actually teaches. And let me try to sum it up. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. Today it's COVID. A few months ago it was riots and looting. It was something else before that. It'll be something else later. There's always something that wants to distract us, divide us, and destroy us. Always. And the answer to all of that never changes. Be strong and courageous. Observe the law of God and remember what I've taught you. That's what the Lord teaches us. That's what will help us. That's what will free us. I want to say if there's somebody who this message has stirred up something in you that hasn't quite been there before, there's some discomfort or pain or something in your spirit that's not... You don't know what to do about. Pray about it. If this message, if God has used it to stir up something in you, those of you who do know the Lord and... And maybe you, maybe you realize you've been wrong about something. Pray about it. Or maybe you realize you've been right and everybody else has been wrong. Then you really need to pray about it. <laughs> oh, I pray that God will give us what we need to serve Him better. He's the answer. Jesus is the answer to all the problems in the world. And He can give you Peace. Peace. I'll close with this. You know what I want, what I desire for my life, for my wife's life, for our little baby on the way, for my extended family, for my church brothers and sisters, for the world? You know what I desire? Real peace. Peace and unity in the Spirit. Not conformity, not uniformity, but peace. May God give you that.